When Akihiro Hino was a child, he loved brain teasers and puzzle books. Among his favorites was a best-selling series called Head Gymnastics. So when the success of the video game company that Hino founded afforded him the time and money to create whatever he wanted, Hino thought back to his childhood and decided that he wanted to make a video game around his favorite books. But there was one problem. The success of Nintendo's Brain Age led to a gaming market saturated with similar brain teaser games. So the question became, how can we make a puzzle game successful? It was quite the conundrum. The answer though was simple, and something that Hino had debated on from the get-go. Let's take all these puzzles and write a story around them. The result is Professor Layton and the Curious Village, released for the Nintendo DS in February of 2007, and the topic of today's episode. So stick around and join us for today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 77th episode of our video game nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we take a look back at one game relevant to the current week in gaming history and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, and what it gave back to the world as its legacy. Today, we're looking back at Professor Layton and the Curious Village, first released for the Nintendo DS in Japan on February 15, 2007, followed by a North American release on February 10th of 2008. I'm David Kasson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who is a cheerful and curious boy who always brings a touch of humor to every episode. My brother, Rob Kasson. Rob how are you spreading the joy today? Yeah, I got nothing, Dave. No joy. Nope. It's joyless. You, you know, you know how I spread the joy today, Dave. Uh, I said joy. Okay. There, that's spreading joy. Hey, sometimes you just have to put it out into the universe. No, exactly. I mean, you know, if you and someone force it, it's not real. That's right, and someone will pick it up. Not, yeah, not not me, but someone. Yeah, I don't care to bring you joy. You're my brother. Doesn't how that's not how it works. Maybe some of our listeners will get it. Maybe not. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, hopefully, joy to them. But you, Dave, suck it. <laughs> Damn. How are you? I I was better until uh you just cursed me. But whatever, shit happens. Yeah. Exactly. Brush it off. Get with the program, Dave. Get with the program, Dave. So, what you playing this week? Obviously, Startup Company. Ugh. I mean, yeah, I tried out some Startup Company. Uh, did a lot of RuneScape and a little bit of Rocket League. How about you? Uh, Was this the week that we had a not-so-successful night of Rocket League? Yes, it was. Okay, well then a little bit of Rocket League. Boo. And I played RuneScape. 
and I played a, about a half a morning of Valheim with a friend Ooh. this week. So I'm I, I like Valheim. I just don't really get to invest a lot of time into it, but it's a it's a good game. And one of these days I will. So right on. Right on. Well, Rob, today we're looking at Professor Layton. I've played more than one Professor Layton title. Have you? I've played a couple of them, although <clears throat> I didn't play them to the end. I just started them and then picked up other games because I didn't do a lot of playing on the DS at the time. Not that I do now, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I just haven't done a whole lot of playing on the DS and I hadn't really ever purchased it for a console. So I always start them and not finish. Have There's you seen a bad joke in there? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen any of the other Professor Layton stuff than just the games? Uh, I've seen like not watched them or anything, but I knew they existed. Like, uh, I know there's like an anime or manga, manga. Wow. There's also a crossover with a game we've covered in the past. Yeah, Phoenix Wright. Yeah, that's yeah. I know. That's fascinating. It sure is, Dave. Well. You can kind of trace the roots of Professor Layton all the way back to October of 1998, sooner probably. Akihiro Hino, along with other members of a development team who were all working for a Japanese company called River Hill Soft, this time on a game called Overblood 2, decided that they wanted to kind of work for themselves. Now, River Hillsoft was a, a a popular Japanese publisher back in the day. They're they're known for some of the early survival horror games, not really ones that came stateside, but you know, we, we kind of looked at how the we, we kind of looked at how the that genre was birthed over in the United States. I think we I think we covered that in the resident evil not in the united states and japan i think we covered that in the resident evil episode um or maybe not but that's okay so anyways river hill soft yes and so they worked on a title called overblood 2 and when it was done uh hino and, and a group of others decided that they wanted to kind of work on their own project but hino didn't really believe that he could make it as an independent developer and so he went to Sony Computer Entertainment, SCE, uh, in order to form a partnership. Sony agreed to allow him to develop for what was at the time the PlayStation 2 under the condition that he set up his own company. So Hino and the others decided to form a company, and the name they came up with was Level 5, which is a reference to Japanese school report cards where Level 5 is the highest mark you can achieve. It's the A, oh. since we're used to A's here. Yeah, that makes sense. Level 5's first game was an action role-playing game called Dark Cloud. Dark Cloud initially reviewed very well. It sold enough copies off the bat to immediately greenlight a sequel when it came out in late, to late the year 2000. The sequel was called Dark Chronicles. Dark Chronicles was released in 2002, and while it wasn't as popular as the first game, it still went on to sell about half a million copies worldwide, which at the time was pretty successful. And it was the success of both these titles together, the Dark 
Squad, Dark Cloud, and Dark Chronicles that gave Level 5 some worldwide recognition as a, as a game developer. And as a result, with this notoriety, they were chosen to work on three different projects that would kind of shoot them into the limelight. Uh, the first was an MMORPG, which was called True Fantasy Live Online. True Fantasy Live Online was in the lineup for Xbox Live releases when Xbox Live was just kind of coming to fruition. It was supposed to be one of like the early like premiere games, the the showcase games for what Live can do. Unfortunately, it kind of got, you know, caught up in development, you know, ca- the chaos of everything and it was canceled before its release. Their second project, however, was much more successful. So for their second project, Level 5 was directly chosen by a game designer that we've covered before, uh, Yuji Hori. You're a Yuji Hori fan, right? Indeed. Yes, you are. Uh, Yuji Hori handpicked Level 5 to develop Dragon Quest Eight. Which was a big deal. Dragon Quest is a huge series. Maybe more so, not maybe, more so in Japan than here in the United States. Though I'd argue that it's got moderate success here in the United States. Um, But yeah, so Hori picked level 5 to develop Dragon Quest 8, and they did. Uh, The third project was uh, another, it was a moderately successful RPG. Uh, It was kind of in the same... Dark Cloud, Dark Chronicles, and Rogue Galaxy, you kind of all know their level five games. They they just have a they have a style that is is very very much a um they just have a style, you know. Level five kind of became one of the premier RPG developers, you know, for Japanese companies. And they're still to be fair, they're still doing stuff today. Um, you know, they've worked on other series. I know I've, I'm a big fan of one of the series that they work on the Nino Kuni series, which is, um, uh, Miyazaki, uh, in RPG form, big fan. Um, but yeah, so, you know, after these three projects, level five was successful. They had money coming in and they were in a position were both financially and frankly creatively, they had the freedom to do what they wanted. And so Level 5 President and CEO, Akihiro Hino, decided that he wanted to do something that was drastically different from what they had worked on until that point. As a child... Hino was in love with a series of puzzle books, which is which are called they're Japanese only, but they're translated over to the Head Gymnastics series. Now, Head Gymnastics is, as I said, puzzle books that were created by Chiba University professor Akira Tago. The first volume of Head Gymnastics was published in 1966. And since then, there have been 23 volumes that were released altogether um, until the last volume was finally released in 2010. Between these 23 volumes, over 12 million copies of Head Gymnastic books 
have been sold, which is kind of really amazing. Uh, you know, that when we look at numbers in the millions like that, we tend to think worldwide, but the head gymnastics series have never been sold outside of Japan uh, or translated or anything like that. So that is, that is solely numbers in the Japanese market. Wow. So he now wanted to create a game based on head gymnastics, based on this series of puzzle books. And so he reached out to Tago and and they came together and 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 decided to make a game. Uh, Akira Tago himself agreed to supervise supervise the direction of the game's development, while Hino was going to serve as the game's producer. The idea for Professor Layton and the, the Mysterious Village, we call it the Curious Village, but at one point it was the Mysterious Village started with Hino wanting to use puzzles from head gymnastics to create a game that had story elements. Midway through development, he kind of started to second guess himself. And he also considered making just a pure game version of the books where he literally just would take the books and turn them into turn them into a game. But with the success of what was the, the DS game, the brain teaser, do you remember the, the one uh, brain, tra- oh, brain training game or something like that <clears throat> yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i used to do it all the time but i really can't think of the name of it right at the moment there was a really popular and it's escaping me right now and i feel really dumb and someone's probably screaming screaming at their radio it's this you dummy uh really popular ds brain training game um and it was really successful and its success kind of dissuaded Big Brain Academy Thank, well, or Brain Age. Brain Age. It was Brain Age. Brain Age that's is the one. one. Yes, Brain Age yeah. is the one. Yep. So with the success of games like Brain Age, uh, Hino thought that it was just going to be a waste of Tago's talent to create a pure brain teaser game because it was just going to get lost in, in it was going to get lost in all of them. And so they went back to the idea of a game with a story, which pretty much brought the project to what it has become today with tago's input the idea was turned into more of a family game the specifically they wanted to make a game that parents would be happy to tell their children to play thanks to its intellectual content and so they worked back and forth you know a little give and take bouncing ideas back and forth you know, Tago, at this point, there were over 2000 puzzles from the head gymnastics collection. So they could they could they could pull from that. And Hino actually asked Tago to create roughly about 30 brand new puzzles specifically that were made to take advantage of the DS's touch pen functionality. So, you know, these two guys came together, the puzzle guy and the guy who loved puzzles, and they basically took said puzzles and they created a story around them, which I think Rob really sums up professor Layton very well. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. What, how would you describe professor Layton for someone who hasn't played it? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's a story game. And sometimes you have to solve some puzzles. Yeah, it is. So Professor Layton and the Curious Village is an adventure puzzle game. 
in it, you control the movements of Professor Layton and his young assistant, Luke, the, the curious boy. And they are... And Maria. There's one other person. You control three people in the first one. And they're, they, they, they move around the village of St. Mystere to locate the golden apple and solve other mysteries that arise during their search. Like, for instance, at one point you're chasing down a lost cat because the villager won't give you directions to where you need to go next until their precious cat has been found, which sounds like my life in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Now, the city of St. Mysterio in such a way is divided into several sections. You know, uh, you know, villagers won't give you access to the next section unless you do something for them. Solve a certain number of puzzles, in this case, chase down the cat, uh, find something for them, uh, so on and so forth. There are, how many puzzles are in the first one? I, f- I forgot to check. I know, uh, I, I want to say well over 100. Well over 100. Yeah, I don't know the number, but uh, I definitely it's probably definitely over 100. Uh, probably, definitely. These puzzles include brain teasers and um, what else do they include, Rob? Man, did you not prepare for this, Dave? I mean, maybe. 120 puzzles in the first one. So the puzzles include brain teasers, sliding puzzles, logic puzzles, and others. Um, you know, you get a puzzle and you solve it. And depending on how well you solve it, sometimes you get a score. They're pickerats, it's called. And and so on and so forth. And you just go around. You go around, you know. Um, if you get it wrong, you lose points and you get the chance to do it again. You can get hints, you can find hint coins in certain places, and you can use those to get hints to do puzzles. And the puzzles are all over the place. I mean, the puzzles are all over the place. There's some super easy ones, but then there's also just some downright deviously impossible ones. It, it the, the, the difficulty is really, really all over the place. Rob, you said you've never finished one of the games, huh? Correct. Yeah, I just like I said, it was it was one of those things. I just Pokemon was the only thing on the DS that I really hyper fixated on to finish. So I know I finished this one. I went back and I played a little bit. I still have my copy, uh, my original copy. Uh, I went back and I played a little bit. I know I finished it because I, I found my my old save game. But I, I don't went, never went back and finished all the puzzles because there's some ones you don't have to do. And I think there was like. I, I want to say DLC because that's what we call it now. But at the time it was when you took your DS to like Best Buy and you could, you could download content from like the gaming station. Do you remember when they did that? I don't remember that, but I do remember a lot of, with Pokemon, them having the events, you would come and get uh, Pokemon that would be downloaded directly to your game. So yeah. I know Celebi was one of those events. You had to get the flute from uh, mostly Toys R Us, at least for our area. And that's uh, how you got Celebi in game is you had to get the Poke flute from the event. Yeah, this is the same concept. There was, okay. there, was ex- there was extra puzzles that you could only get by participating in. I don't even know if it was an event. I just know that when they first came out with the D- DS, those 
demo stations that you could find in your gaming stores at one point actually like transmitted stuff you could get and at one point it was pu- extra puzzles for professor layton if i remember correctly so nice yeah it, um i remember the first thing that i really enjoyed about professor layton was the art style and the story you know i i kind of grew up on adventure puzzle games because early pc gaming was a lot of them you know you had your mist in the CD-ROM phase, and before that, you, I mean, hell, text adventure, Zork, and, you know, uh, Monkey Island, and Day of the Tentacle, and, uh, you know, I, at one point, the point-and-click and adventure genre as a whole was booming, and it was, a, a lot of your best games were part of the adventure genre, and so I was a big fan, but you know, by the time this came around, that wasn't a big genre. So it was exciting right off the bat to kind of have a game because this plays like an adventure, like a point and click adventure game. You know, point and click being that you have to pick, pick, find things hidden in the screen, you know, like the hint coins and find puzzles hidden in things and, and, and go from that route. But it, it's, it, and it was, and it's fully voiced. I remember that too. It's not, it, it, it's a fully voiced game where it tells a story that you progress from solving puzzles, which is really cool and unique. I think even at the time it was unique. I, I would say it's even unique now. There's not a lot of games like that, but at the time there was nothing else like it that I remember because brain age was super popular, but brain age was just puzzles, you know? And suddenly you had a game that like told a story in that same vein, but and who, what gamer doesn't like a good story, you know? Uh, ones who are just in it for a fight. Like people who only play Call of Duty. Exactly. Yeah, I guess there's some of them. But I'm a sucker for a good story, and this game wrote me in from the beginning. I think it's really charming and cute, and um, the story is fascinating. And the puzzles are good, too, if you're into that kind of thing. I always like the brain teasers. Right on, Dave. It is a fun game. Like I said, I'm sure that if I had had more interest in playing the handheld console games at the time, other than just Pokemon, I probably would have enjoyed finishing them. But I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, some things happen. Some things happen. Some things slip through. You know, the DS had a lot of these little puzzle game titles. I remember playing them. I remember Hotel Dusk and... um what else was there hotel dusk was a big one room something was that hotel dusk room something i think there was one where you were just stuck in a room that was separate from hotel dusk god i'm drawing a blank but there were some really they were able to really take advantage of the touch pen capabilities and do some cool things with that adventure genre when the ds was coming around yeah yeah i don't know really really fun stuff Really fun stuff. Well, Rob, I'm I'm a fan of Professor Layton, um, but when it came out, how did other people feel about it? Well, Dave, first up, we'll start with some critics. And to start off the critics, IGN felt that Professor Layton in the Curious Village was not your usual handheld game. Mm-hmm. This original title lets you know right from the start just how 
different a DS experience is going to be. The Saint, the strange little town of Saint Mystere loves puzzles. Loves them. The citizens can't strike up a single conversation without challenging the person they're chatting with to solve a brain teaser. Even when there's murder afoot, no one can seem to take their mind off of some challenging head scratchers. Find a penny on the ground? Solve a puzzle about pennies. Look at a clock. Learn a clock-related puzzle. See a cat licking himself. Hey, there's a cat licking puzzle. Well, not really, but you get my point. That'd be funny. Uh, yeah, no, indeed it would. Uh, Professor Layton in the Curious Village is essentially a huge assortment of textbook puzzle games strung together by an old-school point-and-click adventure. Puzzles range in difficulty from the absolute obvious to the downright devious. As long as you don't cheat, you're golden. But I know you guys. You're going to do it. All in all, Professor Layton is undeniably fun with a great style, and if the next game in the series is as challenging and as addictive as its debut, bring it on. That is very much a great description of Professor Layton. It's a huge assortment of textbook puzzle games strung together by an old school point and click adventure. I mean, that's almost a perfect description of, of how it is. And yeah, I mean, it is. It, it, it speaks to everything I was just saying. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. All right. What else we got? We have GamePro who felt that the narrative powering Professor Layton is definitely one of the game's strong points. The art style is eye-catching and brings to mind the classic animated film, The Triplets of Belleville. It definitely serves as a nice platform on which the game's many mysteries are built. Besides the main mystery of the hidden treasure, there are all sorts of other secrets to unearth in the town of St. Mystere. What sort of creature is haunting the clock tower? Is there a murderer on the loose? And how do these mysteries relate to the dead man's treasure? In order to get to the bottom of these confounding conundrums, you have to solve a variety of logic puzzles. Most are presented to you by the town's interesting cast of characters, but others are hidden around the levels. You can find them by tapping around the various levels with your stylus. Doing so also unearths clue coins, which let you buy hints that can give you a leg up on difficult puzzles, and you'll need every single one of them because some of the puzzles in Professor Layton are ridiculously difficult. And really, that's the game's biggest fault. Some puzzles are fairly easy and can be solved in a matter of seconds, but there are some puzzles that will confound you for long stretches. Worse yet, they're sometimes so tedious that it almost felt like doing homework. Which is a terrible thing. No. Yeah. For all its frustrations, Professor Layton does have its merits. The overall vibe of the game is charming and immensely likable, and the basic game mechanic is solid. There's also a ton of things to do. Aside from the puzzles, there are other neat extras that it'll let you discover on your own. Even if the uneven difficulty robs the game of some of its fun and the slow, methodical pacing might lull some gamers to sleep, for puzzle lovers and brainy gamers, Professor Layton definitely has a lot to offer. I, yeah, I agree. Do you, uh, Dave? I do. I think I've established that already. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, You might have had me fooled there. Mm, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? 
Well, next up we have Nintendo Life, who gave Professor Layton a 9 out of 10, writing that Professor Layton in the Curious Village is unquestionably one of the best Nintendo DS games released thus far. If you enjoyed games such as Brain Age or Phoenix Wright, you'll be more than satisfied with this puzzling adventure. Naturally, once you've solved all the brain teasers and finished the story, there's very little to come back to. But you'll have had so much fun getting to that point that you're unlikely to mind. With the game receiving heavy promotion throughout the world right now, you'd be silly not to invest in it. So, critics were kind of mixed. You know, they they found good points and bad points, right? Like, hey, we like this game, we recommend it, but be 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 cons- be wary because the difficulty is all over the place. Yeah. I no, think that's, that's definitely fair, fair I think, assessment. I mean, that was the one thing everyone kind of talked about. This guy said uneven difficulty, but everyone kind of talked about uh, in one way, shape, or form how, how some of the puzzles were. I, I think the first guy said absolutely obvious or downright devious. Yeah, that that's exactly it. And that's that's a fair fair point. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know some of them were stupid easy, and then some of them, he like one guy's probably right. We probably did cheat. So, I mean, and it's uh, it's more off. I think that the inconsistency of the difficulty, because I mean, a lot of games that we play start out stupid easy and then get incredibly difficult. I mean, I remember Trauma Center on the DS is one of the games I tried beating and. Although the beginning was super easy, I don't think I ever was able to beat the one that I played because the last boss was just so freaking difficult for me. I like Trauma Center. I still have that game, too. Yeah, I know. I borrowed it from you. That's how I played it. <laughs> Got it. But uh, I yeah, I think it's it's the inconsistencies of said puzzles, because I mean, you know, a hard one could be thrown in before a couple of really easy ones. And maybe that's just to keep people wanting to keep going. But I don't know. I don't know, but you know what? Critics are obviously going to feel one way, but around here, there are other people we want to ask. Yeah, how did users feel about it? Well, Dave, let's talk about that. So user Bushenka, user Bukencha on Metacritic felt that the adventure puzzle game really surprised me and was in fact the reason why I bought a DS console in the first place. The majority of the puzzles are really fun and well-balanced, with only a couple of instances where the puzzle explanation is not very clear. The nice story, marvelous setting, and fun characters, all of which are supported by gorgeous graphics and nicely fitting music, do their work also. What's incredible about this title is that it can attract people of all kinds and of all ages, and each of these categories will find their share of fun and challenge. If I had to find a flaw in this game... It's the fact that most of the puzzles are completely unlinked to the plot. And above all, the graphic styles used in the puzzles differ too much between them. It would have been nice to have a little more graphical coherence in this game. But apart from this, the game should be played and finished by anyone possessing a DS. You know, I never really thought about the fact that the graphics are different, but that's kind of a valid point. Because on the one hand, you have these really cute hand-drawn, like, story, like, it, you know what it's kind of like? And I guess I'm just so used to it. 
early PlayStation games, when you'd go from the, the like the 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 full motion video when I started doing it, like to the handcrafted polygons, like just yeah, you know, yeah, the the cool cutscenes and then the not so cool walking around to get to the next cutscenes. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of what it's like though, not nearly as drastic. So no, I, I definitely say that that's that's a good way to put it. I mean, you know, it's but I don't know. It's it's it is definitely kind of uh, I didn't really think of it till now, but it is kind of a drastic difference between one and the other. Maybe not severely as it was in the PlayStation days, but by then graphics were also slightly better. Yeah, but realistically, how do you how do you make the puzzles seem cute? Because they're just puzzles in the end, you know, they're they're bringing you put like cute little borders around them or cool little background stuff or. Yeah, okay. I don't know. There's there's options. People make stuff cute every day, man. All right, you win. Yeah. What else we got? Well, Dave, so obviously Bukensha felt really good about the game. But on the other hand, Spars Kringarin on Metacritic felt that they can't really understand how this game can get such good reviews. First of all, the story is very uninteresting. So they found themselves clicking it away just to get to the puzzles. Some of the puzzles are fun and creative, but it's not enough. Many puzzles are boring and uneventive. And while some of them are very logical, some are not. But that's just a matter of taste and logic, I guess. The biggest problem is that none of the puzzles are related to the story. This makes the gameplay very lame. It's basically a graphics novel with some random puzzles crammed into it without any kind of connection. And since the graphic novel isn't fun or interesting, it's utterly pointless. It's the only real fun in the game is the puzzles, which isn't enough to keep me interested. Also, there's nothing that makes it worth playing the game on the DS. It would fit much better on the PC where you can click with your mouse. Pointless. Boring. Okay, dude. I mean, I can I can see the arguments, but it did seem a little uh little little out there. I mean, I think there were some puzzles that were connected to the story. I mean, I obviously didn't finish enough through it to to be able to say, but I mean, it seems to be a common consensus with people that both loved and hated the game at this point that there was some stuff that didn't really tie well together, and I'm sure that the creators, although they obviously did a wonderful job with the legacy that we will talk about. Um, but they obviously had flaws. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Can't make yeah. every, not every puzzle, you know, Oh, a puzzle about walking. I mean, you know, how many of those can you do before it just gets not cool? Right. Agreed. Right on. So next up, we'll talk about Justin B on Metacritic who felt that this is a great puzzle game with a decent story attached to give it its own unique feel. The graphics are very stylish and creative, including both the in-game graphics and interwoven animated and interwoven animated cutscenes. The music tends to get a bit annoying as the same music seems to play throughout the majority of the game. I found myself turning the volume down on some puzzles because it was affecting my ability to concentrate on the problem. The main part of the game, the puzzles, are challenging enough to keep you interested throughout, and some are downright hard. Overall, I would recommend playing this game, and I look forward to seeing the next game in the series, released on this side of the Pacific as well. 
He got his wish. It, yeah, no, uh, a few times over. So last up, we have Mr. Sonic Fan, who, quite frankly, was also not in love with the game. And Mr. Sonic Fan wrote, I really don't understand the love that this game gets whatsoever. The story is not interesting in the slightest, which is one of the most important parts about the game. First off, it takes forever to start the quest that the main characters came to the village for. As the game drags it out with such things as finding cats. It's bothersome. I don't find the characters in the village memorable in the slightest. I find them very boring. To be honest, the only reason I sat through this was because I enjoyed the Phoenix Wright vs. Layton game that released earlier this year. I enjoyed the puzzles in that game, but in this game, curious, I cannot stand the puzzles. Some of them are really tedious and bothersome. Graphically, the game is alright. The characters are decently animated and drawn, and the backgrounds look nice. The animated cutscenes by Japanese animation studio PA Works look decent enough, though they have some really obvious and distracting looking 3D CGI in them. The game's soundtrack is for the most part, in my opinion, quite forgettable. With the only track I personally like being the game's main theme. The voice acting, on the other hand, is pretty well done. Though, I will say I can't stand Luke's actress in the American version of the game. Thankfully, I have the British release, in which Luke was pretty well done voice work. Overall, I don't understand how people like this game. With an uninteresting story, with forgettable characters, some very tedious puzzles, and for the most part, a forgettable soundtrack, I did not enjoy this game. Ooh. I guess well, it's not for everyone, though, huh? No, but, you know, I'm going to guess this is also a person who just really enjoys Sonic, and I mean... Mr. Sonic fan, yeah. Yeah, if you like Sonic, it, it, this game's a little slow. You, you're not going to go faster, faster. Everything's going to be slow next to Sonic. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right there, Dave. Everything's going to be slow. Well, Dave, tell us how what, what happened after this, because, you know, I did mention the legacy, and obviously... Uh, Professor Layton's still a thing, and even you know, Mr. Sonic fan mentioned the Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright game. That's right, but but let me ask you this: Is Phoenix or is Professor Layton still a thing? Uh, I mean, uh, it's been a while. Twenty eighteen, I guess that's that's fair. Yeah, you know. The first one, though, was really a commercial success. Uh, You know, Professor Layton and the Curious Village had sold over 700,000 units in Japan alone. And when it was localized and released here in the United States in 2008, for at least the first three weeks of its release, it was the top-selling DS game in the United States. It won its share of awards, too. At the 2008 Spike Video Game Awards, it was awarded the best handheld game of the year, and GameSpy named it their best DS game of the year as well. So there were there were some game journalism publications that recognized it for what it was, and as you said, it was it was it was the start. It was the beginning to a whole series of video games. 
by the time Professor Layton and the Curious Village, the first one was localized and released in the United States in February 2008. They were they had already released the second game in the series in Japan uh, in late 2007. And at the time, the third game in the series was already being actively developed. And as of now, as of, uh, as you put it, the last one being in 2018, there are nine games in the series with one that has crossed over with, as you put it, uh, Phoenix Wright. Crossed over with uh, Phoenix Wright, which is a game that we've covered in a previous episode. Not only did we cover it, but we had a guest for that episode who killed it. That he did. Yeah, that man knows his Phoenix right. Indeed. Knows his Phoenix right. Cool dude. Cool dude. Yeah. In 2000, in 2012, uh, they released Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, where they combined the puzzle elements of the Professor Layton series, as noted here, with the trial mechanics of the Phoenix Wright games. There has also been one feature-length anime film released for the series, Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva, which was released in 2009. Uh, and back in 2018, speaking of that year, there was a TV series released. It was based off characters off of the last game that was released, and they had have released about 50, 50 episodes uh, 50 episodes so yeah there you go there's also been three novels uh a manga series manga manga series thank you manga manga bango bango yeah so i mean professor layton's kind of a thing just like phoenix Wright's a thing you know they took phoenix Wright, and it was a tv show and a movie and all sorts of stuff too you know Japan's really good about taking these these anime games and making them into into like a whole thing. But but you know what? Let's be fair. You know, that trend started with Pokemon and and well, Pokemon's the biggest multimedia franchise in the entire world. So you can't exactly blame a guy for trying with everything else, you know? Yeah. I mean, all I have to say to that is Pokemon Jets. <laughs> it's still the greatest thing ever. Still Pokemon Jets are still the greatest thing ever. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our Pokemon episode. Of course, you can do so by checking out our website at www.memorycardlane.com. On memorycardlane.com, you can also find, I'd say, a calendar of upcoming events, but I still haven't updated it, so I'm I'm bad. I need to, I need to do that. Uh, you can find our show notes. The most important thing is to find our old episodes and to find our show notes. I list, I, I post let's plays for this stuff that I find and like I post all my sources. So if you want to do any re more research, if you want to find out all about the TV series or that you'll find the links where you can dig into everything. I, if you're anything like me, you like to know more and more and more and I just can't cover everything here. So I give you the resources on the website to be able to do so yourself. Also on our website, there's a link to our Patreon if you want to contribute to our podcast and a link to our our Discord where you can join us, play video games, scream at me. I particularly like that last one. Come and scream at me. Do what you want. Yeah. So. Uh. And links to our social media, right? Uh, I'm on Twitter at David is wrong. Rob, what you doing these days? 
I can be found on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. There you go. There you have it. Well, Rob, I, I think we did it. I think I think that's I think that's Professor Layton. What do you think? Uh yeah, no, I I think we did a pretty good job of talking about uh, a story game with some puzzles thrown in. Or I, a puzzle game with some story thrown in. I liked Professor Layton. I thought it was cute. I, I understand the disjointness that people feel. I understand the 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 fact that the puzzles are all over the place for difficulty. I get all that. But I think I think for what it is, it's good. You know, someone took took a brain teaser, a series of brain teasers, and they tried to make a story around it. And expecting perfect cohesion is is probably asking a whole lot. Um, if you want perfect cohesion, it becomes a game mechanic, you know, kind of like how a certain game could be based around time travel or stuff like that. Um, or there's a puzzle, modern puzzle game called the witness, which is based around specific game mechanics. But then when you do it that way, the puzzles are all based on that one game mechanic and they don't allow for a lot of variety. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I'd say so. So I think I think for what it is, I think for when you're trying to make a game around a series of brain teasers, uh, I, I I personally think they did a good job. I I do, and I really enjoy I really enjoy Professor Layton. I've I've played a couple of them, and I I don't feel like they've ever really let me down. So yeah, that's my hot take. What's your hot take, Rob? Well, Dave. You got anything to add about Professor Layton? Um, I mean, you, you've obviously put more time into them than I have, and know a lot more about them. And uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta trust what you gotta say in this. Very, very true. Very, very true. Well, I think, I think then we'll call it there. You know, each week we we choose one game relevant to the current week in gaming history, and we try to teach you something new about that game. We try to teach you about the inspirations that allowed it to come into fruition. And we talk about the legacies that our games leave behind. And as part of this discovery process, we like to talk about what we've learned. And yeah, so Rob, what is your biggest takeaway from today? Um, I guess that it would have to probably be that the game is because of a series of puzzle books. I mean, I guess in theory, it, it makes sense when you really think about it, but I don't know. It's just kind of cool to know that literally just a book of puzzles was enough to create a, a pretty, pretty cool game series. Yeah. Do you remember puzzle books? Like you know, mom probably used to buy them at the dollar store and you would just flip through them and, and there were crosswords and word searches and, and all sorts of, other, that's, that's kind of what I think of, you know? Yeah, same here. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. And to know that someone just took that and was able to create a game around it. That's more than just more puzzles on a game, but an actual game designed around the puzzles. It's it's pretty neat. Yeah, and and I I I think it's a really charming story. I do I do. It 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 could have been really plain and, and bad, but I think it's despite all the gripes and disjointedness, I think it's a, a charming story. So yeah. I'd have to agree with you. I feel I had no clue that it was based on a book series. That was probably my biggest thing too. 
you know, for for what it's worth, all those games that were coming out then, like Brain Age and all them, you just kind of think that, hey, we took this concept and and out of thin air we did it. But realistically, this guy went to his an author of a, a, a book series that he grew up loving and was like, hey, I, I want to take these puzzles, this concept, and create a game around it. And they said, okay, cool. Well, how can we be different from everyone else? Well, let's make a story. Done. You know? Um, yeah. I I thought that was really enjoyable, too. So yeah. that's Professor Layton. And that'll do it. So, Rob, before I take it out of here, what would you like to add? Is there anything that you'd like to, to add to today's episode? Well, Dave, I'm going to take a moment to say thank you so much to everyone for listening. We're here week after week so far, still enjoying what we're doing, and we're hoping that you're li- hoping. hoping. We are hoping the that you're movie. listening, maybe not week after week. Maybe you do all of your binging. You get you know five episodes done in a sitting, or maybe you do one a month, and you're really far behind and need to catch up. But hey, whatever your take is, even if this is your first one, thanks for being here. True statement. Well, on that note, let's look ahead to next week. In retrospect, it's really hard to, th- to think about the fact that when this game initially released, it sold incredibly poorly and was really seen as a failure. You know, nowadays it is a game that we consider to be a pioneer of the Metroidvania genre. It has inspired so many games after it. It basically reinvented the series. Uh, in a lot of ways that it's based on. Um, it, it, it's it's pretty universally loved nowadays. In fact, it's a game that now is often cited by critics as being one of the best video games of all time. But it, but it didn't start out that way. You know, like I said, it sold poorly. When Castlevania Symphony of the Night first released way back in March of 1997. Uh, Wow, we're already into March. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, not quite, but almost. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, when Castlevania Symphony Night was released way back in 1997, it was... it, 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 It didn't start out well, but it got there. Uh, now, truth be told, I'm a huge Castlevania Symphony Night fan. It's probably one of my absolute favorite Castlevania games. It's one of those rare games that I can honestly say I've played all the way through more than once. Uh, you know, back in the day, that was a thing. When you liked a game, you played it over and over and over again. So I particularly am a fan and have a lot to say. And we'll see what y'all think. You know, we'll we'll go through our usual... Um, usual review you know critic review user review so yeah rob you ever played castlevania symphony of the night uh i have not yet dave no oh you can you can download it modern you really owe it to yourself if you like castlevania games it's an excellent edition so that's what we'll have to find out dave that's assuming you like castlevania games anyways so next week we're going on a quest to kill dracula so get out your garlic get out your steaks and you know let's let's uh let's play a symphony of the night as we take a vampire hunting trip down memory card lane to the thing <laughs>